You ready? 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 One, two, three, four! features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. 
Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. Uh, I am Steve, uh, as always, and we have Lou and Kyle with us to start off the night. Uh, I want to give a quick reminder uh, that we do have Games Gridiron starting up. Uh, Sign-ups will be August 22nd. Uh, you can obviously, uh, if you're a member of Sports Whispers, you can uh, you can play through there. Or in Lou's case, uh, Lou, I don't know if you're up for Dame's Gridiron again this uh, this year. Uh, I'll be ready. You can always. All right. Well, you can. Uh, we can always do it like we did last year, where where uh, where you se- I, I send you the spreads and you send me your picks. Um, but uh, I would just. Just wanted to uh, to let any of our listeners know uh, if you guys are interested, uh, it's a it's a it's a fun you know a fun bragging rights sort of league that we uh, that we do every single year. Uh, Games Gridiron August twenty second are the signups, and it will be in Sports Whispers on Facebook. So if you are not a member of Sports Whispers, just search. On Facebook for Sports Whispers, ask to be uh, added in, and we will get you in there. And we'll have a sign, a whole uh, sign-up thread and everything beginning August 22nd. Uh, but Lou and Kyle, how are you guys doing tonight? All right, Steve, thank you. I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Um you know, I figured we'd probably start off tonight's show with uh, news that ESPN apparently pulled out of the rights uh, for the Big Ten. So it, this basically is going to end one of the longest sports media relationships in the college sports business. Uh, apparently the final offer was – Seven years, three hundred and eighty million per year uh, to ESPN, and ESPN declined it. So now, for the first time in I don't know how long this partnership has gone on, but ESPN will not be showing Big Ten games now for the first time. And I don't know actually if it's been a new uh, deal that has been that has been set yet. If Big Ten has found a new home. At all, yes, but uh, actually, oh, they're actually have? working between. Uh, I think it's gonna be a joint venture between CBS and NBC. Oh wow! Okay, because yeah. I don't, I don't ever recall recall them uh, ever. You know, ever ever splitting uh, yes. sports. I don't think. Yeah. Well. Yeah, it was announced on Wednesday that uh, CBS and NBC were uh, vying for the rights with uh, and um, CBS would get the uh, early game and NBC would get the uh, night game. Oh, okay. And it also says Fox. It's a, it, and it it says Fox would uh would would handle the noon kickoff apparently. Right. Yes. 
from what it says here. And it's a, it's apparently in, in excess of a billion dollars, according to the New York Post. So it's a billion-dollar deal uh, for the Big Ten and Fox, CBS, and NBC. And it says here that CBS uh, is expected to pay in the neighborhood of $350 million per year. Uh, which yep. is actually lower. It's actually lower than what ESPN uh, had said no to. Uh-huh. So I, I, I guess maybe perhaps uh, Big Ten losing ESPN is what is what made uh, what made the Big Ten sort of shift their course and maybe uh, offer to take less. But remember that ESPN is getting the SEC. True. Yes. Yeah, they are so getting not, the SEC. It's a consolation. Yeah, what well, what are your thoughts on this uh on this Kyle with uh Big 10 now instead of being the primary uh the pri- the primary uh conference for one station is now going to be shared by uh the three other major uh sports uh sports stations. Uh, that's definitely crazy. I mean, it's it's weird, especially you know, um, with all the the conference alignments and stuff like that. Uh, it's just weird. I, I mean, it just I don't even know where to begin and like how to like what to think of it, just because uh, a lot of stuff is happening in college still, and you know, with a lot of moves happening. Um, right, USC and UCLA just joined the Big Ten, right? I believe so, yes. Um, right. So, like, that that's weird, especially, you know, you can say whatever you want. USC hasn't been the same since early 2000s when they had Matt Liner, Reggie Bush. Um, but, you know, bringing in a big team like that should have lured, you know, ESPN to lock up that contract. Um, so, I don't know. It's just it's very odd, you know. Uh, so, we'll see. <laughs> One thing I want to know, what's going to be Notre Dame when this takes place? Because NBC has had Notre Dame for the last 30 years now, so what's going to happen with them? I would assume NBC is probably going to keep their rights. Hmm. That's what I would assume. I mean, ABC did as well. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, uh, right now, USC and UCLA, Kyle, are not listed in the Big Ten yet. So uh, they're moving in 2024 from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. So for now, uh, you know, from now until then, they'll still be part of the Pac-12. But still, that is a, uh, you know, we we want to talk about, conferences being realigned the fact that the sec has been getting has been getting bigger as well uh you know there were talks of clemson potentially leaving the what are they the acc or the aac yeah they've been there's been talks of clemson potentially leaving the acc and joining the sec as well as a couple of other uh as well as well as a couple of other uh well known schools as well. So I, I you know, I think that we're gonna see 
uh, you know, the, the next couple of years, we're going to see a lot of movement still taking place. I mean, it's so, a, honestly, I, always, it doesn't make sense to me. No. Right. Go ahead, Kyle. I, I was going to say, I, I mean, if Clemson wants to continue, you know, saying they're they're the big dogs, they, who who are you beating every year? Cool. It's like you're, you're playing Virginia Tech, who's always a tough opponent. But who else is in the ACC? I'm sorry, but you're you're playing Duke, who's a basketball school, lacrosse school, baseball school. You're playing UNC. I should have said the other team in North Carolina. My bad. I, I don't say them by name usually. But yeah, you know Clemson. Clemson says that they're the big dogs. Prove it. Prove it. If you want to prove it, go to the ACC. Have fun playing Alabama. Have fun playing LSU. Have fun playing Mississippi State. Have fun playing Auburn. Have fun playing Arkansas. Arkansas. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you're gonna get rocked. Like, I'm I'm sorry, but until Clemson joins a conference that actually is notable and not known for ACC, like for basketball and lacrosse, you're you're no one to me. Yeah, and you can even you can even put uh, Texas A&M in that range too. Uh, right. You want to talk, when you want to talk about heavy hitters, uh, you can put Texas A&M in that in that category as well. Right. Because so think about it, it. One through five, it, it's like it, it's crazy. The, the SEC is nuts. You know, it's every year it's a dog mm-hmm. fight. Georgia, I, I wouldn't even say Georgia. You know, they they won a national championship last year. It's like how could I forget about Georgia? Like yeah. Clemson's always running their mouth. You beat no one. You, your hardest game is when you hit, you make it to the playoffs. And the only reason why you get to the playoffs is because you run through ACC schools. That's like that's like Duke basketball trying to like flex on some like we'll say who's a horrible basketball school. I don't know <laughs> UMass. That's like saying oh like. You know, that's like UMass trying to go into the ACC for basketball. They have to get rocked, you know? Right. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, UMass, you know, back back in the day, they used to be a right. little more uh, – they used to be a little more reputable. But, yeah, you know, now nowadays, like, they're below BC even right now. Right. Uh, they're below Providence in terms of, uh, in terms of college, uh, basketball colleges. So – yeah, it's still it, it, it's kind of dumbfounding, honestly. When I'm looking, I'm looking at some of these movements like uh, Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC, and it's like, okay, you guys right. had you guys had so many successful seasons uh, over in your previous conference, and now you're expecting the reason why they moved is because so that they can get a better media rights deal. That's mainly right. the, the main reason why all these movements are taking place. It's, it all has to do with media rights, and right. they get a uh, they get a larger share uh, being a part of a you know being a part of a bigger uh, conference. Right. Which I mean, it doesn't really make much sense because you would think you would think that you would get a larger share the less amount of teams that there are in a conference, but yeah. that's. That, that's how uh, that, that was my understanding, at least. Uh, first, when Oklahoma and Texas originally switched conferences, and now you're seeing it with USC and UCLA. So, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that they were having a problem 
with uh, with the Pac-12 trying to uh, you know trying to put together a future for their for their next uh, for their next media rights uh, deal. Yeah. So that's part of the reason why you're seeing uh, USC and UCLA switch uh, switch conferences now all of a sudden. Uh, and yeah, according to the uh, to the New York Post here, uh, it says here that it will replace the SEC, which will be moving all of their games to ABC and ESPN, in a deal that pays the SEC around three hundred million for its top football games beginning in twenty twenty four. ESPN and the SEC have a separate agreement that encompasses more football and other sports. That brings the total number to around seven hundred million for the SEC. Uh, so, if these deals go through, the next up will be the Pac-12, which ESPN likes because of their late-night windows. Uh, the Big 12 is still out there, which it looks like, according to the article here, it will be a fight between ESPN and Fox for the Big 12 although Amazon and Apple have also shown interest in getting into the college football game as well. Uh, and also you got to talk about realignment too, that potentially muddies the water because uh, it mentions here that ESPN's SEC deal got sweetened when the SEC took Texas and Oklahoma from the big 12 uh, Fox, which has partnership uh, part ownership of the big 10 network uh, has uh, was helped when the Big Ten became uh, even more attractive by adding UCLA and USC. So, a lot you know, a lot of this has to do essentially with media rights. You know, the the more teams, the more attractive teams that you're going to potentially get added to to the network, uh, the sweeter the uh, the sweeter the deal is going to be for both sides. And it looks like that's what we're seeing right now uh, in terms of ESPN and the Big Ten. Uh, We do have an update on Vince McMahon and the WWE. As originally we reported that, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, there were five payments worth about a total of $14 million in hush money that were paid to different uh, former employees of the company. Uh, Now it has been found out that Vince also excluded two more hush money payments from the record worth a total of $5 million. So now he had seven payments and who knows, there's probably going to be more seven payments now worth a total of $19.6 million from company funds. And Kyle, uh, you weren't you weren't here when we talked about this last week, but it's kind of diff- it, it's kind of different when it's company funds. You know, if it if it was personal funds, this wouldn't be a big deal, or it wouldn't be as big of a deal. But we're talking company funds, and as you probably know already, Vince ended up stepping down as uh, as CEO. And uh, pretty much the only thing he has part of in WWE now is the fact that he's the majority owner. That's pretty much it. Uh, but, Kyle, what are, what are your thoughts about hear, hearing this, that now, now, you, now we have basically almost $20 million 
that were excluded from from company records uh, to where, from, from what it sounds like, it sounds like uh, these incidences have been going on for years behind the scenes involving involving uh, Vince, who at one point, you know, I mean, let's face it, Vince basically revolutionized the sport of professional wrestling. Right. Um, I mean, it, it's sad. I mean, because, you know, how long has this been going on? And, you know, uh, kind of like, uh, what do you call it? Joe Pertino, you know, like he's one of the best college football coaches of all time, you know, and then the Sandusky thing just wrecked his legacy. So is this, is yeah. this going to be like a thing where the first thing you think of is Vince? Oh, you know, the person who did XYZ and just, just paid XYZ ML to keep everything shush. I mean, like you said, you know, Vince revolutionized the, you know, the, the wrestling. You can, you can even say combat sports. I mean, I mean, it's obviously it's way different than MMA and boxing, but you can, you, you can kind of put it in the same category. He pretty much revolutionized, like you said, professional wrestling, but he kind of revolutionized um, combat sports essentially because you know, before MMA, uh, obviously there's jiu-jitsu and all that, but you can kind of put him in that same category with, like, MMA and, you know, boxing. You know, he, he revolutionized um, professional wrestling, you know. And you take a look at, like, yeah. guys like you know, Brock Lesnar, you know, who had an amazing, uh, you know, college collegiate wrestling career, and then he came to the WWE, and then he – had a stint in the UFC where he was one of the most dominant fighters. So, so for me, I look at it like, like, like I said, like a Joe Pacino kind of thing. Is it going to wreck his legacy? Like where the first thing you think of is Vince McMahon. Yeah, he's the ultimate like legacy, but you know it's the biggest but and like the biggest asterisk next to his name kind of thing. True. That you know, that's a that's a very that's a very good question. Lou, what are your thoughts? Do you think this uh you know, do you do you think this kind of ruins Vince's legacy to where, you know, people but when people hear the name Vince McMahon, the first thing they're not gonna think of is the guy who revolutionized combat sports. He's got, he, the first thing they're gonna they're gonna think of is the uh, this was a guy who basically took advantage of uh or I shouldn't say took advantage because well, okay, partially took advantage of uh of his employee of his female employees and paid them off to not say anything about their uh about their sexual encounters. Well, I mean come on, his reputation is already tarnished anyway, so it's only gonna think even damage it even more. I mean Think about it. I mean, you know, McMahon, you know, after we did it, you know, it's 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 not going to be the same. I mean, the WWE F representation, that's that's out the window too. So, you know, he's pretty he's pretty much you know, pretty much a goner at, at this point. After what happened. Yeah, and you know, it's it's weird. It's weird too because ever since Vince stepped down. WWE's stocks have actually been uh, been rising. I mean, they last closed uh, this past. They last closed on Friday at seventy two uh, seventy two dollars and fifty four cents a share. 
you would think so, with uh, all this, what's been happening, the stock would go down. I just don't see how it's going up. Because they figure no one has any interest anymore. Well, you know what they kind of figure? They kind of figure is the fact that the company is under is in better hands with uh, yeah. with Paul Levesque, with Paul Levesque, also known as Triple H. Uh, at the oh yeah yeah a lot a lot of people believe not not just uh, not just sponsors uh, but also he's gotten certain stars that WWE released due to what they called budget cuts Uh, all of a sudden he's been bringing back all these released stars who never should have been released to begin with and now they're you know they're all of a sudden coming back and he has actually produced some pretty compelling television ever since he officially took over yeah. so uh i don't i don't know what you take i don't know what what your take is on that Kyle uh the fact that that the stocks have been up since Vince officially stepped down. I mean, doesn't that kind of signal that perhaps uh, people think more, more highly of trip uh, of the, uh, of the business under triple H as opposed to Vince? Yeah. Um, so what, what I was thinking when this, when all this happened and, you know, how it's WWE is starting to, you know, become, you know, popular or getting traction again. Um, I think it was, overdue for new, not new, but somebody new, you know, Vince has been around for forever, you know, like I said earlier, he's done so much for WWE and combat sports, but I just feel like it was, it was time, I mean, it's shown right now that it was time to to let Vince kind of, you know, kind of just back away and let somebody else kind of show what they can do, I mean, if you think about it, Triple H is probably the best person to do it. You know, he's he's pretty close with the you know the McMahon family. Um, you know, has you know his relationship with Seth and stuff. But um, I think it's the best person for WWE to move into the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you take a look at the stars that they've brought back since Triple H took over. He brought back uh, Killer Cross. He brought back Killer Cross. He brought back Hit Row. He's he uh, made Tommaso Ciampa look more like a serious competitor as opposed to somebody who probably is gonna who who was probably headed for the twenty four seven title chase uh, under Vince. And he's made it his he's made it his uh, mission basically to make secondary titles become more become as prestigious as they used to be because it seemed like under Vince under under Vince it seemed like in recent years that if you held like the Intercontinental or the United States title you were basically just holding those titles just to have a title like those titles used to mean something back in the uh in the early you know early to mid 2000s and now all of a sudden it seemed like in recent years that they were just basically placeholders for people who may eventually rise up into the main event uh into the main event scene and you know it's it almost seemed like i mean you would think with wrestlemania 
that WrestleMania, you would have all of the titles be defended. You would have every yes. single championship be defended. And yet this past, this past year's WrestleMania, they left the United States title and the Intercontinental title off entirely, which for the Intercontinental title, I think that's the first time in WrestleMania history that it, has, that, that it, that it wasn't defended at WrestleMania. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it really seems like Triple H has a better pulse on the on the wrestling industry right now and what the fans want as opposed to Vince who was more he, he was more basically uh all about sports entertainment and supposedly the directive that Triple H is trying to go through here is that he wants the company to be more wrestling based and not sports entertainment based Right. Which is because he feels now the fans don't care about sports entertainment. They want to see professional wrestling. That's why you have you have a product like AEW out there on uh, on the Turner uh, channels because of the fact that, you know, it provides an alternative to for for the fans that don't want to see the sports entertainment crap. Uh, that instead want to see actual professional wrestling, and you know, not maybe maybe not have uh, script writers writing every wrestler's promo, and yeah. you know, may, maybe perhaps let the wrestlers get over by themselves. Kind of like how it was in the old days in the Attitude Era, where yeah. You know, you had more. You, you know, it, it was it was less uh, it was less catering to the little kiddies, and more, you know, you know, more edgy, more yeah. uh, creative, basically. And to my understanding, uh, Vince McMahon, who at one time was head of WWE creative the last couple of years. Uh, now he basically has nothing to, I know we've discussed this before on the podcast, whether or not, okay, well, Vince, Vince is, uh, is probably going to be, uh, lurking behind the scenes still. Apparently not. Reports have come out that Vince is 100% done with the company and literally the only factor that, uh, that he has is the fact is the fact that he's in I, I forget they said eighty two percent owner or something something like that. Uh, that's literally the only association that he has with the company right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, it looks like this might be about to go final. The New England Revolution are about a minute away from beating. Uh, Wayne Rooney's DC United. That's right, uh, soccer legend Wayne Rooney, who uh. has who has moved over to Major League Soccer to take over the team that he once played for as their new uh, as their new coach. Uh, this and yeah, actually it just went final. So Wayne Rooney now drops to one, two, and one as DC United head coach with. Uh, the Revolution officially knocking off D.C. 1-0 uh, 
and officially entering into a playoff spot as of tonight. Already? Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, – I, I, forget, I forget how many games are left, but uh, well, that is – Well, he's 32 games, so – Yeah, let's see. Well, wait. They they play 32? Yes. Okay, so they got about they got about 8 games left to go in the regular season okay. before they uh before they enter the playoffs. Uh New York City FC is currently in second in the Eastern Conference uh with a with 12 wins, 5 losses and 6 draws for 40 or yeah, for 42 points. Just three points okay. behind top-seeded Philadelphia Union, and the New York Red Bulls. The New York Red Bulls are in fourth with 37 points, uh, ten wins, eight losses, and seven draws. So, looks like both New York teams are still in a uh, primary position, but with three yeah. points tonight, uh, actually, it says New, New England could go as high as fifth seed. I think right now. Because they have a win over Orlando, they have a win over Orlando City, and I don't know what their record against Columbus is this this year so far. But it looks like yeah, they so they improved with the win tonight. New England improved to uh, eight wins, seven losses, and nine draws, which is good for thirty three points. On, I guess you could say the rebuilding uh, New England Revolution here. Yeah, but uh, let's move over a little bit to the NFL as we have preseason taking place. But before that happens, uh, we have an update on Deshaun Watson, as apparently there has been discussions. Uh, obviously, the NFL has officially filed uh, an appeal to the six-game suspension, which no basically he would only, uh, which basically he would only lose about three hundred and thirty-three thousand uh, dollars because of his base salary for his first year in like uh, under the contract being only one million dollars. Uh, there's been a little bit of nego- uh, attempts at negotiating between Deshaun Watson and the league. And according to the Associated Press, Deshaun Watson has proposed accepting an eight-game suspension and a $5 million fine in order to avoid missing the entire season. Uh, now, however, the league is pushing for him to miss the entire season and I believe there was also something about a fine as well, but uh, I did not. Yeah, it says, so it says here that according to Pro Football Network's Aaron Wilson, the league expects the appeal of Deshaun Watson's uh, six-game suspension to result in no less than 12 games. They're going for the full year. Uh, however, the, they could see the suspension be doubled to 12 games, and they're going for an $8 million fine and treatment, according to Pro Football Network. And they said a, a, a year-long suspension could potentially be a slam dunk for the league. So it sounds like uh, this is probably going to happen, which will in turn 
set the uh, it will set the wheels moving in motion for a potential legal battle with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson said that he would sue the league if he would be suspended for a full year uh, mm-hmm. due to due to uh, all of the uh, all of the legal trouble that he's been in recently. Uh, I mean, let's let's start let's start off with you, Lou. What do you what do you think about the situation here? Do you think that uh, the suspension could stay at six games, or do you think uh, we could potentially be looking at a? Uh, do you think any deal could be reached at all, or are we looking at uh, the NFL going for the for the full year? NFL, I think, is looking for the full year, but I think in reality, I think it's going to stay at six games. But I'm not surprised that the NFL was looking for an appeal. I mean, Goodell, you know, being who he is, I knew he was going to try to pull off something like that. So the uh, result of him, you know, appealing an appeal, appeal, I wasn't shocked by that at all, despite what other people think. Um, a lot of people think stay at six games. I think maybe six might uh, might be enough in this case. I, I mean, most of the lawsuits have been dropped anyway. So I think, you know, it would be fair to – have um, no more than six games. Although some people like to have them, uh, you know, more and probably uh, the full season. Some probably want to give them the chair or whatnot. But I think I think six. I think is um, punishment enough. Kyle, what are your what are your thoughts on on this? Uh, do you think that the suspension will stay at six games, or do you think the NFL uh, may get what they want? So. Uh... I have two. I have two answers to this question. So I think it's going to stay the same, but I got a counter question. What hurts the more integrity of the game more, a player betting on games, or a player that is allegedly abusing women and doing stupid stuff? So this is like my thing: sure. is I can get in trouble for a full year for betting on NFL games, but you're going to tell me I can have sexual allegations with women? And I'm only gonna get six games. That doesn't make any sense. Exactly. So like to me, no, it doesn't. This, like Goodell, I think, is just I don't even know with him at that point because he just does whatever he wants. But his logic doesn't make any sense. Like I, I don't get it. But look at what mm. Ray Rice did, and Ray Rice hasn't seen the league again. So yes. it's just like he's very inconsistent with his his judgment on people. And so I'm just like, Goodell, like you, you don't make sense. Oh, you, you did it because Ray Rice is a running back, and clearly you don't value running backs like you value your quarterbacks. So you're going to tell me right. if Tom Brady did this, what's going to happen to Tom Brady? Or if Peyton Manning did it, what would happen to a Peyton Manning? It's just like he values quarterbacks way too much because it just shows that quarterbacks drive the league. And um, well, yeah. So you know what? You know what's weird though. What, what's weird is uh, it's kind of hypocritical for them to have suspended uh, Calvin Ridley the way they did when right. they have a gambling. They have a gambling sponsorship. Right. You have a gambling sponsorship with the league, and yet uh, the league has a gambling sponsorship with all the major casinos, and yet you mean to tell me that. Uh, you know you're gonna you're gonna suspend a player for betting on his own team. It would be different if right. he was betting on the opposition. 
it would be different. Like right. if he was betting on the opposition yeah. and he was purposely and he was purposely throwing games, but he bet on his right. own team. Right. And just like Pete Rose, so, you know. So there's not really you know a conflict of interest, and I mean with Pete Rose, it's you know with Pete Rose, it's different. Pete Rose in Pete Rose's case, he did you know there wasn't any sort of. Uh, there wasn't any sort of hypocrisy there where, right. you know, the league had, where the league had a sponsorship with, with, get, with different casinos like the NFL does. So, I mean, still got banned for life. honestly, the, yeah, I know they did, they did kind of, they did kind of screw him for life. And I, I do kind of feel that it, it's about, you know, it's kind of time for, for uh, them to loosen uh, loosen the noose a little bit on Pete Rose, and maybe perhaps finally yeah. let him get into the Hall of Fame. But you know, the, I think the thing with with the NFL though is, I, I think what they're trying to do here is they're trying to set an example, uh, Deshaun Watson, so that they can kind of recover their image a little bit. Because of all mm-hmm. the bad stuff that's been going on with the, you know the Washington football team, and uh, the fact that Goodell is covering for Dan Snyder, uh, and a, a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of other controversies that the NFL has been involved in in the last couple of years, and you know it's only made the league look worse. I think what they're trying right. to do here with Deshaun Watson is they're trying to yeah. turn Deshaun Watson. I don't want to say into a scapegoat, but I, I, you know, they want to try and make an example out of him, basically, in order to make the league look better. Yes. Right. Now, not saying I'm not saying that you know uh, Deshaun Watson deserves less games. I mean, let's face it, what he did, if it's even true, I mean, yeah, he right. settled with the women, but he could have. He, he may have he may have not done these things and still settled with the women so that you know he so that he isn't dealing with the distraction because you know the longer that he the longer that he that he went without a settlement no team was gonna allow was gonna take a chance on him playing right so he had finally settled with the women and I think it says something as well that the Texans settled with them too. Mm-hmm. The Texans want this uh, want this whole thing to go away so that they can focus on they can focus more on the upcoming season instead of having that whole thing looming above their heads. I still believe that now. Of course, I'm probably wrong, but I still believe just based off of all of the uh, things that have been mentioned here, I still believe that it was a it was a money grab. Attempt. It was a cash yeah. grab attempt, basically, by the by each of the women. I mean, the fact that oh, uh, there were the fact that there were uh, there were talks of contradicting uh, of contradict contradictory uh, stories that were to- that were told by some of the women. It, it, it's, it's some of the details seemed kind of fishy. With with how right, they yes. were telling their with how they were telling their stories to the authorities and to the investigators, uh, and also the fact that I think I think what really stuck 
to me was the fact that uh, Tony Busby, who has represented each of these women, was adamant that there would be no settlement talks whatsoever and that they would take it to court. But then all of a sudden, they decided to all of a sudden settle with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's basically, you know, why why make all these statements and then all of a sudden you decide to settle with him anyways? Right. So, you know, I, I, just, I just really think that the league is basically using him as a as, – as a scape, I can't even call him a scapegoat because I know uh, they're using him as an example, basically that they yeah. want to try and clean up their image. They want to try and clean up their image and make themselves look better in the eyes of a uh, of female, a uh, female football fans. And mm. the way to do that would be to make an example out of Deshaun Watson for uh, the off field antics. Uh, that he was involved with, mm. but I just I just kind of find it funny though that you know they are going so hard after him when yet they only suspended Brady four games for for allegedly deflating footballs even though that was not true and it was proven scientifically that it wasn't true. Uh, it, it, uh, this this league is just completely all over the place to begin with, right? In regards to, you know, their uh, their their whole image has taken a whole bunch of hits ever since. Uh, honestly, I think the, I think the last time they had something go their way was Spygate, when the Patriots got uh, got hammered the way they did. I think that's literally the last time that uh, the NFL had something go their way because ever since then, you know, we've had, we've had uh, deflate gate. We've had the whole Colin Kaepernick shit that went down where, yep. you know, teams, teams were basically giving him tryouts just to make, just to make themselves look good in the press. Uh I mean, there's a whole bunch of shit that's that's gone down with the league in recent years. Uh, so it's, you know, the, the, this is basically their way of essentially trying to, you know, basically ju- just trying to get uh, to get their image uh, improved, basically, right. for the most part. Now, uh, speaking of you know, speaking of the NFL, we have the NFL preseason underway. The uh, the first week of the preseason here, and uh, Kyle, you know, your Eagles, despite uh, you know, dis- despite playing a Zach Wilsonless Jets, which we'll get to his injury in a minute here. Uh, yeah, Eagles couldn't get it. Eagles couldn't get it done. But from what it looks like, it looks like Jalen Hurts is starting off, uh, starting off camp on a very high note here. Six for six for eighty yards and a touchdown pass. Yeah, uh, he he looked very good. I mean, um, he also had a, a, a touchdown run called back. Um, but he he looks he looks comfortable. I mean, 
Um, A.J. Brown definitely helps. You know, if he can stay healthy, he's definitely, you know, arguably a top five wide receiver. Um, you know, Devontae Smith is still there. Uh, Dallas Goddard, I really think, is going to take a very good leap this year because uh, with the help of A.J. Brown, you're going to have to double him or Devontae Smith, and that's going to be leading you wide open pretty much. You know, if a team plays a zone against you, uh, you're going to find a soft spot in the zone. So Dallas Goddard should have a good year. Um, but I, I don't put too much stock in it. I mean, what I do put stock in is, uh, yeah, we did lost that game yesterday, but our second team defense went up against the Jets, and they only gave up three points. So right. I put a lot of stock in that. You know, Nicobe Dean looked very good yesterday. Jordan Davis is a beast. He's a he's a freak. Yes. Um, you know, uh, especially on this one one play, he just clogged the middle. He got double teamed, and he just threw you know the lost yards on the ground, and then um. It was, a, it was a play to the left, and Nicobe Dean came up the middle and, and hit it, you know. So that's going to be a very good duo between those two. Um, they bring a, a championship mentality with them from Georgia. Um, and just they they know they, they, they play well, so well with each other because they played at Georgia together. So one of them knows, like, okay, if I go to the left, you know, I'm going to fog up the whole left side, but you, you go to the right side or vice versa. And I don't know. I'm really excited about Jalen Hurts. You know, we this is this is the year. This is the proving year. You know, okay, okay, Jalen, we brought in your best friend, yeah. a top ten wide receiver. We we know we um, have to protect you, give you more time. We brought that kid from Nebraska. Um, looks very very good. Um, and think about it. Think about who he's learning under. He's learning under Lane Johnson, one of the best left tackles in the game. Um, he's learning under. Right. You know, guys like Fletcher Cox on the opposite side, guys like um, Brandon Graham. Um, you know, we we brought in James uh, Blackberry, Brownberry, I forget his last name, um, to play opposite side of uh, Darius Slay. Uh, we're looking really good. I mean, and then yesterday I loved something that happened. Um, Jalen Hurts got hit late out, out of bounds. And I love what Nick Seriani did. He ran to the middle of the field, and he was pissed. Like, he he literally said it. And we can swear on here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. All right. He he pretty much said, like, what the fuck are you doing? That's a late hit, you know? And it, everybody just got, like, excited. And I loved how everybody just went up to the Jets' island. Like, you're not going to do that. Semelata, uh, Semelati, uh, I forget. His, uh, he's the other Salah. tackle. But he... Yeah, he, he pretty much ran up and pretty much pushed the player. I love that. Like, dude, like, mm, yeah. you know, this Philadelphia team has a lot of grit. And I think Nick Sirianni, his second year, I think it's everyone's starting to get more comfortable with him. And, you know, uh, what 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 made Philadelphia really good was their defensive line depth that year that we won uh, the championship. And this year we're just having so many guys. So many guys are coming. Derek Barnett. You know, we have BG, we have Fletcher Cox coming back. You know, so I'm I'm excited about this Philadelphia team. Um, it has a lot of grit, a lot of dirt. Um, you know, Jalen can stay upright, and we don't need Jalen to to win us the game. You you know how someone can win you a game like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. They can win you a game. We don't need that. Right. Like we need to rely heavy on our run. 
pound Miles Sanders, pound, you know, um, our guys, and let our defense kind of help us out. You know, I didn't even bring up Kaiser White. You know, he's coming from San Diego. Um, he's a great linebacker. He had a pick on, um, I think it was, yeah, it was Zach Wilson's first pass attempt, I think, yesterday. Kaiser White just came out in the flat and just picked it off. Like, we, yeah. we have some really good, you know, we have some really good, talented players, and, and I think if if we – here's the thing with Nick Sirianni I, I get a little nervous with. He relies so heavy on throwing. I'm like, dude, like we saw last year. Think about last year. After, like, week 12, we decided, like, randomly to start running the ball, and we were dominant. You know, like we lost some games, but we controlled time of pace. You know, that's what you need in a young quarterback, you know. He's not a guy like Trevor Lawrence who yeah. can throw the ball and spin it and win you a game. He needs somebody, okay, like, let's pound Miles Sanders. Let's give him 20 touches. Let's give, you know, I can't even think of our, our running back up right now. But, you know, so if we if we just do that and, you know, then the play action starts opening up, you know, we're going to start taking our chances. And then that's going to leave Devontae Smith one-on-one or A.J. Brown. And then – so we don't right. need and not just yeah. that, not just Sorry, that. I'm, but I'm like going off. Not, <laughs> well, not, you know, it's not just that, but uh, A.J. Brown didn't even play yesterday. Devontae right, Smith right. didn't even play yesterday. James on Williams didn't even play yesterday. So, right. you know, there's uh, just just wait until – I mean, obviously every team, unless you know you're the Jets, uh, every team basically put out their secondary uh, players. Right. For this first uh, for this first week, um, right? Actually, no. Actually, no. I forgot. James James on Williams isn't with the Eagles. He's with the Lions. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. I, I got the I got the whole Alabama thing, and the first thing I thought of was the uh, the Alabama connection. Um, yeah, James on Williams is with the Lions, but uh, one thing I do have to say though is. Our Seagull, our, our Seagull white side, if you can't even get a catch in a, in a preseason game playing with the secondary players, right. you yeah. probably don't deserve a spot on the team. Right. Uh, no. And I got to say, Jalen Rager, he looks pretty good. Three of four, three of yep. four catches uh, for 26 yards. I mean, a lot of people shit on Rager a whole bunch, but – Mm. I mean, I'd probably I'd rather have him on my team over over the likes of Arcega Whiteside, who can barely even hang on to a ball. So, uh, now, however, on the other side, uh, we had Zach Wilson, who ended up, yeah. uh, like you said, thro- the fir- the first pass that was thrown was picked off. Uh, however, he was also removed from the game. Uh, with a right knee injury. Originally, people thought it was an uh, ACL tear. However, uh, it says here that he has a bone bruise and a meniscus tear in his right knee. Uh, the yeah. meniscus require. It says here the meniscus does require surgery, but it does not need a full repair, which does give him a chance to return without missing regular season games. Uh, he is he is expected to miss he's expected to miss around two to four weeks with uh, with the knee injury as uh, he he came up limping after he made a cut on a scramble during the first quarter 
Uh, he was able to walk off the field, though, on his own power, and he immediately went to the locker room, but obviously didn't return. Yeah. Uh However, though, he had such a shaky rookie year last year, and there is still the, the, you know, there is still the the risk for a potential uh, re-injury of the of the knee whenever he does get back to work. And the fact that he's going to have a lack of a preseason year, I mean, I I honestly, Lou, I don't see how we'll be how we'll be seeing him play starting week one. Week one, I would rule out. Uh, Maybe about week two or week three, that's more realistic. I think with the short preseason and whatnot, even though you do get that week off in between the last preseason game and the first one, I don't think that's going to be enough time. I think he does need to sit out uh, opening day and maybe get ready for um, week two or week three the latest. It looked more serious at first, but then when I saw him walk under his own power, like, okay, he's going to be all right. This doesn't look to me like a major like a major injury, because that's a good sign when you can walk under your own power after you get, you know, an injury like that. I mean, his knee was buckling. It wasn't like he was in any, you know, uh, excruciating pain and whatnot. So I, I don't expect it to be out, you know, far too long after the regular season begins. I, I really don't. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, Kyle, this would be almost sort of the similar thing with uh, if, if Jalen Hurts had ever gotten injured. Uh, yeah. You know, at the beginning, at the at the beginning of the preseason, wouldn't wouldn't you think that maybe with the fact that you know the fact that there was not really much of a preseason for for Zach Wilson here now with this injury, uh, wouldn't you think that he would miss the first at least the first two games or so because he's going to have to get back into uh, playing shape, you know, after right. being held up for. For uh, for pretty much the rest of the preseason, it, and the thing with the the Jets, they open they open up against the Ravens. Like that's that's not a team I want my starting quarterback who's coming off a knee injury to be playing. Like exactly. you're going up against you know Baltimore. It's not like you're going up against Jacksonville. You're going up against Baltimore, and then week two it gets a little bit easier because you play the Browns, but you know, you you have some heavy hitting guys on on you know the Browns, so it's just like, dude, like you you got to get right, and like you said, your conditioning is going to be off, and you're playing a team that's going to score a thousand points, you know, you're, and then they're also going to kill you on defense, you know, you're so I don't know, man. I mean, Zach Wilson, you better hit like the the cryo chamber, you better hit the position, you know. You just got to make sure that you don't you don't take any um, yeah you know you got to make sure that you don't take any uh, cream that's illegal in the NFL you know because you might get an 80 game suspension but that that's for a different yeah right later. yeah yeah I mean I you know I would almost I I'm would like almost you know who that would get probably... the suspension yeah you know I, I would I would almost think that we would be looking at Mike White starting week one at the very least. Right. Because I just I don't see I don't see how you play. He didn't even play his full uh, first preseason game. You know, uh, I, I I mean I know he 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 went out for the first uh, you know for the first series. I don't know how long obviously he was going to play, but 
the fact that you can't even finish your first preseason game for whatever right. time they were going to put you out there, and now you're going to be sidelined for pretty much the entire rest of the preseason. It's and plus, like I said, the recovery time is two is two to four weeks. It's not necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be out just for two weeks. Because right, right. even though even though the knee is partially torn, you're still going to have to rehab that knee. Right. So I don't Absolutely. see. No. You know, originally, originally I had read it was six to eight weeks before they said that it wasn't an ACL tear because uh, Salas said that. Uh, the ACL was reportedly intact. So, uh, I, you know, I just, I don't see how it's only a two to four week injury with this. Right. Mm, exactly. I find it hard to believe so, that it's, that it's two to four weeks. So if if you're, if you're a team like Baltimore, who's, who's, you know, not dirty, I'm not going to say a dirty team, but if you, the run if you're in Baltimore is, yeah, so if you if you're a team like that and you see Zach Wilson, would you be looking chopping at the knee? I I'm not a dirty player, but if I know somebody has a weakness, I'm gonna go after that weakness, you know? Right, right. You know, I, yeah. It, and by uh, all means, I'm not a. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it, it's it's just really, uh, you know, if. The fact is that Baltimore has their defense has always been pressure heavy. Like they would always apply the most pressure out of every, uh, you know, out of every uh, team that is in the AFC. You know, they've always been one of the one of the heaviest pressures in terms of defense. So when you have a quarterback like Zach Wilson that's dealing that's coming off of a knee injury like this. And right. you know, for all you know, yeah, you're gonna get the knee, you're gonna get the knee repaired, and who knows if if he could he could potentially there there is a risk that he could potentially re-injure it if if he comes back and somehow can play week one. I don't know if I would considering that this is supposed to be your franchise quarterback, your your quarterback for the future. I don't right. know if I would be running that risk. Right. Now, on the other hand, sticking in the AFC, we do have uh, quite the head-scratcher here with the New England Patriots. Uh, obviously, yeah. this, is Mac, this is Mac Jones' second year. Everybody is expecting, uh, just considering how he's shown up to training camp, everybody is expecting a step up from Mac Jones this, for Mac Jones this year. However, he is playing without an official offensive coordinator. As we do, uh, we saw plays get split. By the way, the Giants beat the Patriots in the in the preseason this week, twenty three to twenty one on a last. Uh, you know, last, it always last seems like the, the Patriots have a tough time against the Giants. I mean, what are we? Whereas preseason, regular season, or postseason, they just can't find a way to beat them for some reason. What, are they allergic to the Giants or something? <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. They can't yeah. seem to beat them. They can beat everybody else but the Giants. You know, Lou, I'm going to put more of this. I'm going to put more of this on the off. I'm going to. I'm not even calling them an offensive coordinator. 
because uh, okay. they were splitting plays between Matt Patricia and Joe Judge ah. on Thursday night. And I, I'll say this, Matt Patricia looked more impressive when he was calling the plays. He looked more impressive. Mm. Uh, it, it looked. Be- I'll say this, it looked better than I thought it was going to look with Matt Patricia uh, making the play calling. Joe Judge, ugh. I mean, once once Bailey Zappa Judge. came into the uh, game, once Bailey Zappa came into the game, it looked horrible. Yeah. I'll just put it that way to start off with. Now, obviously, oh, they yeah. picked things up. Obviously, they picked things up. I'm not sure, though, uh, if they kept alternating, you know, who was doing the play calling. But right. it, the, the offense looked better under Patricia. And the one thing I noticed is that there were more calls for deep throws. And I think that could be something that the Patriots potentially go after this uh during the regular season this year. I think we're I think we're gonna see uh Mac Jones basically get the uh the training wheels taken off essentially. Uh-huh. And uh one of the one of the one of the, the players that really did impress me was uh, rookie Tyquan Thornton. Uh, even though he only he only had a couple of uh, a couple of catches, he did have a touchdown catch. And the one the thing that impressed me about it was the fact that it was a broken play in the end zone. You know, everybody was completely guarded. He had the wherewithal to look at Brian Hoyer. And look at Hoyer's eyes, and he knew immediately then where Hoyer was going to throw the ball. And he was able to break off from uh, from the Giants' starting cornerback, which I, for, I, forget, I forget exactly who it was, but uh, Aaron Robinson. He broke off from Aaron Robinson and was able to make the catch for the touchdown. Uh, you know, this is a this is a kid who ran the the fastest forty uh, forty yard dash out of all of the rookie wide receivers this year. He ran like okay. I think it was like a four I think it was like a four twenty four to four twenty eight or something like that. And you know, normally normally rookies don't catch on as fast as he has, but so far. He has really caught on uh, with the Patriots playbook, even though it's only he only had two catches for nine yards. Uh, he still impressed uh, the the Boston writers, at least with uh, with his wherewithal yeah. out there on the uh, on the offense. Meanwhile, uh, another candidate for a potential receiver spot Christian Wilkerson had eight catches for 99 yards and Trey Nixon had four catches for 81 yards uh Lil Jordan Humphrey also had six catches for 62 yards and a touchdown catch off of Bailey Zappa as well uh so you know with with the performances that the wide receivers have been putting on there's been some talk that maybe perhaps this might make the uh, the contract of Nelson Aguilar be expendable. As okay. according to according to a source for Pro Football Focus, uh, they reported 
that a source close to the situation expects one of the Patriots' veteran wide receivers to be either traded or released, and they believe that Nelson Aguilar is the prime candidate for that, as he counts for $14.9 million against the cap this season. And they would save around $10 million by trading him and around $5 million if they decide to cut him instead. And according to NBC Sports Boston's Tom Curran, he also indicated that uh, he doesn't expect Aguilar to play much of a role for the Patriots this season. And the question at this point could be whether or not the Patriots can actually get another team to take on his $9 million base salary. Uh, and uh, Doug Kyed of Pro Football Focus did note that a personnel, a personnel executive of a wide receiver needy team did not believe that the Patriots would be able to find a team willing to take on Aguilar's contract, which could make Aguilar a potential release candidate. Uh, however, I mean, they could always decide to hang on to him, but uh, from what it looks like, it looks like uh, – he's not really expected to have much of an impact this season. All indications are. So, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that, Lou? You know, the Patriots, they're dealing with a, they're dealing with a new play calling system. They don't know who's going to be the offense, the official offensive coordinator at this point. That's the problem. I mean, you have you have a, a, a second-year quarterback in Mac Jones who made the Pro Bowl last year. Uh, yes. I mean, obviously, you know, his main targets, uh, like uh, Jacoby Myers, Jacoby Myers is still expected to be one of his uh, main targets. With Tyquan Thornton impressing in camp, you know, there's uh, there's probably going to be a lot of minutes uh, or a lot of uh, targets potentially available for the speedy young rookie. Uh, you know, they had Ken- Kendrick Bourne seemed to have uh, some sort of uh, connection with Mac Jones last year. You also yeah. have uh, Hunter Henry, and you have Jonu mm-hmm. Smith, who apparently they're apparently they're looking at at making Jonu Smith. Uh, have more of a role as well as during the practice uh, during the uh, the practices he's gotten quite a few targets from Mac Jones this uh, this preseason so I, what are your thoughts by, by the way I don't know if you're watching the game Lou that uh, that is a safe call at first uh, for the Yankees here so um, well I got I have on the uh, preseason like, game right now with uh, Dallas so Looks like runners at first and third uh, for the Yankees, one out, and the game is uh, tied. The game is tied at two uh, at two apiece right now. Uh, I had to I had to split at ten thirty because I got the call from uh, my other partner, but I will try and make it back before you before you go off at eleven. All right, Lou. Uh, try to well, try to squeeze play. <laughs> Yeah, well, but what what are your what are your thoughts though on the uh on the the current situation in New England with uh you know them not really having a uh solidified plan out there on the well, offense. Well, well, we have a new when you have an adjustment system, I mean it's going to take time. I mean, you know, they're not the same. I mean, you know, you don't have Gronk anymore. 
I mean, they're gone. And the whole team, I think, has to go through a readjustment period, which, um, you know, has to take place now. So it's no wonder why they seem so confused uh, from uh, Thursday night's loss. You know, but like I said, the the Patriots have always had their problems with the Giants, whether it's a preseason, yeah. regular season, or postseason, and it just showed up again on Thursday night. You know, and, and they always seem to lose it, though. You know, have you ever noticed, though, that they always seem to lose it, like, in the last minute or so? Yeah, last minute, minute and a half. I mean, they're they're cruising along. Yeah. They're thinking they're going to win a game, and all of a sudden, the Giants pull a last minute sneak attack, and they and they beat you. I mean, there's there's, there's got to be some kind of mischemistry here when they play against the Giants, and it's showing up again. Yeah, you know, I and don't. That was I, I don't. I I don't know if it I don't know if it has to do with the Giants or it has to do with the fact that I mean, Bill Belichick, you know, he's like 70, about to be 71, I think. So I don't know if age is starting to catch up with Belichick to where he's not. Uh, I it's mean, let's possible. Face it, they don't. Let's face it. They don't have Tom Brady anymore. So, nope. you know, to expect to expect a team like the Patriots uh, to give them two minutes left and be able to march down the field in the final two minutes. You can't really do. You can't really expect that now, with the, especially with the fact that Brady's gone. So yeah. I, I really think that their whole timing has really been off since uh, oh, yeah. ever since Brady left. Because definitely, you know, there's been there's been so many games that normally, if Brady was if Brady was still a Patriot, there wouldn't be uh, so many games where there was time left on the clock for the other team no, to come no. down and, and score the game winner. No, but no. I hate to break this to you, but the Yankees reason. took the lead. Yep, I just saw I it was it was so stupid too. They so uh Isaiah Kiner Falifa uh Kiner Falifa hit a uh had a bunt and uh, Schreiber bunt. went sh- Schreiber went and grabbed the ball, and instead of throwing it to home or trying to throw it to first, he, like, basically spun around like he was going to try and do a spinning throw. But then he decided to just hang on to it, realizing that, uh, you know, there wasn't going to be a, a play able to be made. So that's that's basically how the Yankees scored there, um, with the Red Sox basically pulling a Red Sox, essentially. This, you know, this, no, they this, pulled a – this has been symbolic of the Red Sox season, the entire season, Lou, where, mm. the, you know, the, the Red Sox, for some reason, they, they, they make these stupid plays, or I should say a lack of a play, where the, the, uh, you know, the opposing team is able to capitalize, essentially. Yeah. So... I mean, I just don't. I, 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 I honestly, I don't understand uh, what is wrong with this team this year. I think a lot, and and the thing is, Schreiber, you know, he's not really known for giving up runs most of the time this year. You know, he has probably the best ERA out of all of our out of all of our relievers. So it's. I mean, it's. I guess that's. Uh, the, I, I should say that it's probably superior game planning uh, by by Aaron Boone when it comes to 
deciding yeah. what to do in certain situations. Because at the time they had runners at the corners before the yeah. uh, before the, uh, the the squeeze bunt. I was just going to figure whatever happened to, whatever happened to bunting. I mean, it's been like you know it's been a while since everybody's tried it. So at least now they have brought that back. You know, that's what you need to yeah. do. I mean, a game in a game situation like that, the score is tied. You know, if you get a base, go for it, you dummy. Don't, I mean, don't just try to swing back. Go for the bunt. Get over to second if you can. You know, I mean, break. it's only common sense. It's only common yeah. sense. But nobody wants to use it anymore. That's the problem. Right. Uh, now, let me let me get your thoughts because we talked about Tom Brady earlier. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on Tom Brady pretty much missing almost all of training camp this year. And supposedly, supposedly it, sa- it says it's because of a personal reason. Hmm. That, yeah, uh, so you didn't I describe mean, what it was. I mean, you know, you, no, they didn't, I mean, you're getting as good as mine. Yeah, they never described what it was. Uh, you know, there's been a whole bunch of speculation to uh, potentially going through a divorce. Uh, you know, maybe perhaps oh. uh, something having, maybe something having to do with his health. Maybe perhaps uh, he's contemplating whether or not he really wants to play anymore. Like maybe he feels he should have stayed retired or something. Yeah, um, he did it before though, so I'm not buying that. And it, it, there was a report though that came out earlier today by NBC Sports. Uh, that said, it was scheduled in it was scheduled in advance, and it has nothing to do with Brady's or his family members' health. So it's not health reasons. Uh, it I guess it I guess it it, it it has something to do with the fact that he uh, I guess he just needs a break or something. Which mm-hmm. you know I know people speculated that maybe perhaps it had to do with uh, maybe. Giselle wasn't happy about him going back to football. Maybe perhaps, you know, he could be headed for a divorce. Uh, a divorce from a woman. Whoa. Well, I mean, put it put it this way. It's, it's been no secret that Giselle has been unhappy with the fact that he's decided to continue playing football all these years. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, she originally wanted him to retire after he won that last Super Bowl with the Patriots. Right. Back, uh, I mean, back Giselle at Super a, Bowl. Giselle uh, is a gorgeous woman. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, back, back at, back at Super woman. Bowl 53, you know, Giselle, Giselle originally wanted, to, wanted him to retire after Super Bowl 53 when they beat the, uh, right. the Rams. And... Of course, that ended up not happening, and he's obviously still playing now. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know that le- that led people to speculation with knowing exactly how strict Giselle is about him. Yeah. You know about about her thoughts of him playing football. Still, uh, that's led people to to think about maybe perhaps he might be in the middle of a divorce potentially. Uh, However, it does say here he'll return with three weeks to prepare for the regular season opener. So I guess it's not really that big of a deal. Uh, I mean, three weeks is definitely long enough for Brady, knowing the condition that he keeps himself in. Um, but, 
you know, I, I, I guess maybe perhaps it's it's just a ten day break. Uh, but well, you know, what what are your what are your thoughts, Lou? Because uh, you know, do you think that even a player like a, a player as great as Brady needs the uh, needs the the preseason reps? No, no, not really. You know, I mean, most of the stars, you know, they don't even really play the preseason reps. I mean, they want to rest up for the regular season. So, and you know, it's not that's not surprising. No, I mean, hey, look, all the Tampa Bay, all the England stars didn't start um, for Thursday against the Giants, which may have been another reason why they lost. But you know, the, they don't really care about you know much of the preseason. They know they're going to play in the regular season and come back. So they're like, yeah, the hell with this. So Brady's so Brady's in, in like that kind of mode. So it says here, uh, I'm reading more, uh, that obviously it was planned before training camp started. And uh, according to Todd Bowles, uh, Brady didn't want to take away reps from either Blaine Gabbert, Kyle Trask, or Ryan Griffin uh, as far as going into these next two games for the preseason. Um, Basically, it says here, that uh, according to Ian Rappaport, the best description he got about this was that it's important to find a work slash life balance. So I guess maybe perhaps this is more of a family thing. Like he wants to spend as much time with his family as he can before he goes into officially playing football for the entire year. Um and also, it says that uh, according to Hollywood Life, he always considered he always considers his wife's input when it comes to his career. Uh, as conversations with Giselle in the off season is going to be a major component on if he continues to play or not, according to one of the insiders. So, perhaps, uh, maybe perhaps this could be potentially family related. So. You know, obviously, you know nothing to do with their health, but it could it could just be that he basically wants to spend as much time as he can with the family before, you know, ultimately he has to go back to go back to the grind, as they put it. At least that's right. what it looks like here. But. Uh, so I mean, anyways, you know, it's it's definitely much needed uh, reps for the backup quarterbacks because obviously Tampa Bay has to look at it like this: they have to prepare for life without Brady whenever that does yeah, uh, yeah. eventually take place. So uh, it would actually make more sense for them to play, uh, you know, their backup quarterbacks the whole preseason. Because I mean Brady doesn't even he doesn't even really need to he can he can easily do those reps you know like in his backyard or something I mean he I know he practices with uh, Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski in the off season so it's not like he never stop it's not like he ever stops playing football basically just because it's the off season. Uh, you know, another thing, uh, we talked about Deshaun Watson earlier, according to the Cleveland Plain Dealer, 
It says here that the Browns will consider acquiring Jimmy Garoppolo if Deshaun Watson's suspension gets increased Mm -hmm. from six games. Or technically, that should be worded. That should probably be worded as when it gets increased. Right. uh, So, I mean, it kind of makes sense from the Browns' standpoint because let's face it, you don't want to you don't want to be a team going into the going into the regular season with Jacoby Brissett as your main starter. No, no. I I mean, going back to the Jets for a minute, I heard they were trying to uh, the first choice they were going to go with. But uh, they were trying to think of maybe going with uh, Flacco. If, uh, no, I could not yeah. see that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I could that, not see that. Well, that's what they're thinking. They're thinking they're thinking I just Flacco. don't. I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think it's a good idea either. I mean, you know, being a hit yeah. thing is not as good as it used to be. I don't, I don't think it either, but that's what uh, uh, Sala was, was thinking. I think he's nuts for, for thinking that, but, you know, that's what he well, might want to go I, with. I would that's rather, his first choice. I would rather go with Mike White. Honestly, if I if if you I were to too. put a gun to my if if you were to put a gun to my head and make me choose between Joe Flacco and Mike White, I'm sorry, Mike White was more impressive last year. I would go with Mike White. Tell me who it is, or I'll pull your guts off for a lead. I'll go with White. I know. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I, I think mean, Mike White's the better choice. You know, you got you got you got to also keep in keep in account too that uh, you know the the rest of the Jets roster kind of plays a part in it too. You know, he has to have the yeah. weapons in order to, in order to uh, help him succeed. Right. And let's face it. I mean, yeah, Joe Flacco, you know, he may have been a Super Bowl winning quarterback, which I mean, let's face it, the defense carried him in that Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, you know, he may have been a Super Bowl quarterback and he may have been, uh, a point producer for for Baltimore all those years, but let's mm. face it, he's not the same quarterback that he once was. Yeah, and I mean, he had three touchdowns all of last year uh, in his uh, in his games with the uh, with the Jets. Just. Yeah. It, it, he basically he played two games, had three touchdowns, and he threw for three hundred and thirty eight yards. He's just not the same quarterback that he was. So, you know, it's just I I, w- I would rather take the chance with Mike White as opposed to putting Flacco back out there. Yeah, I think I think I think that'd be a better choice. But again, I'm not but, here, so I really can't, you know, get my finger on it. But you know, okay, I'll try to be back in about a half hour. I possibly can. All righty. All right. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. We will. We will talk to you then, Lou. Um, just a, a quick reminder once again for our listeners. Uh, whether you're listening to us live or you're listening to us on the archives, uh, if you guys haven't subscribed to the Missy AE podcast or downloaded the podcast at all, you can do so by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE 
or by searching for Missy AE on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or any of your favorite uh, outlets for for uh, podcast listening. Uh, as far as our upcoming our upcoming podcasts, we obviously have the Challenge Recap podcast that we do every Thursday night. Uh, every Friday night, we do the Big Brother 24 Recap podcast. Those will continue on as no- as normal. Though I do have to talk with Jim about Thursday night and see what he wants to do with Big Brother having a two hour show this week. Uh, Tuesday night. Don't know if there's going to be anything going on Tuesday night yet because obviously we had uh, RC from the Survivor Philippines join us this past Tuesday night. I don't know if uh, if we're going to have another Tuesday night show or if Tuesday night will be off. Uh, that remains to be seen. But uh, any of you listeners, just stay tuned to blogtalkradio.com slash missyae. Uh, I, I, of course, once I get the information, I will be updating the upcoming episodes as I get uh, as I get word of exactly what the plans are. Uh, and once again, a reminder: if you guys uh, are interested in maybe play, maybe having a little fun and uh, doing some NFL pick'em, uh, we will be opening up games gridiron for signups on August, starting on August 22nd. Basically what we do is we play against the spread. So essentially let's say, for example, the, the Patriots are playing the Jets and the Patriots are favored by three points, for example. Uh, you could choose to either pick the Patriots or you pick the Jets. Uh, and if the Jets lose by three points or – if they win, you know, you get the point entirely. But if they, even if they lose by three points, if they lose by what the spread is, you will still get a point. Uh, basically, it's a, essentially just a, just a, a fun, friendly competition between uh, Whispers members in Sports Whispers, uh, which we've been doing for quite the last few seasons. Uh, in Sports Whispers, and it's really a lot of fun. But sign-ups are on August – they begin August 22nd. We also do college football as well. Uh, So it's definitely going to be a lot of fun. Lou was involved uh, last year, and I'm pretty sure we're probably going to have Kyle possibly uh, playing again and – our friend uh, Nick, who has called in a couple of times to the show before, uh, he may be playing. Last I talked to him, at least, he said that he would uh, potentially be playing. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. If you guys haven't done so yet, just go to uh, Facebook, search for Sports Whispers, request in, and we will get you in there so that you can have a whole bunch of fun. And, you know, even if you're not interested in games gridiron, join Sports Whispers anyways. You know, we always uh, are having a whole bunch of different sports discussions every day. So, uh, you know, you can feel free to talk sports with us if, obviously, if you can't uh, join in on the podcast. 
you can still talk sports with us every day out there in Sports Whispers. Now, there is one thing I want to talk about uh, for the next topic here. WWE is hosting a new pay-per-view they're calling Clash at the Castle, which will take place in Cardiff, Wales, at the Millennium Stadium. That is set for September 3rd, 2022. And the main event is scheduled to be Roman Reigns uh, defending his undisputed WWE Universal Championship against Drew McIntyre. And we are also set to have Liv Morgan defend her SmackDown Women's Championship against Shayna Baszler. And we also have a six-woman tag team match between Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka taking on the stable of Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky, although NXT fans will know her as Io Shirai. Uh, by the way, the Yankees have officially defeated the Red Sox. Erodis Chapman takes the win, improving to 1-3. and three. The loss goes to John Schreiber. He falls to 3-2. and two. And it looks like the save will officially go to Scott Efroth, uh, who they acquired at the deadline from the Chicago Cubs. But, yeah, uh, Clash at the Castle, uh, this is expected to be the final event that has any sort of connection to Vince McMahon whatsoever, as Vince had already set these storylines into place before the uh, b- before he ended up stepping down as the head of WWE. Uh, but these storylines were officially set into place by Vince, and essentially this is going to be the last show with any of his influence before the next pay-per-view, which would be Extreme Rules, uh, that will be officially under full Triple H control. Uh, And this is actually going to be WWE's first major stadium event to take place in the United Kingdom since the 1992 SummerSlam and the company's first pay-per-view in the United Kingdom overall since their 2003 Insurrection event that was held during the Ruthless Aggression era. And the event's title, Clash at the Castle, is actually a reference to Cardiff Castle, which is situated near Millennium Stadium. But currently, we do we do have three matches scheduled, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, and as far as the undisputed WWE Universal Championship, not known yet if it is going to be both titles that are on the line or if maybe perhaps this will be for one of those two titles. But, you know, it, it is possible with, with, uh, with Triple H wanting to start a new era in the company, maybe perhaps we may have, uh, we may have a title change. We may potentially have a cash-in maybe with uh, Austin Theory, of course, holding the Money in the Bank briefcase. Who knows exactly uh, what's going to go down in particular here. I have heard rumors 
that perhaps we may see the return of Drew McIntyre's Chosen One theme. There's also been a rumor that we may see Sheamus come back with his old theme as well. There's a couple of a couple of things potentially being planned for this for this pay per view that I think will probably have uh, have fans looking at looking at the WWE in a, in a new light potentially here moving forward. All right, tonight we do have the UFC holding a event currently. I am right now trying to pull it up here. It is UFC on ESPN 41. Let me just pull it up here real quick. Looks like the main event is former bantamweight champion Dominic Cruz taking on Marlon Vera. Both are, of course, veterans of the UFC. As a matter of fact, Dominic Cruz was a for, was the former uh, UFC, not just a WEC, but also UFC bantamweight champion as well. Uh, we did start off the night, though, with Damon Blackshear versus Yusef Zalal, with uh, Blackshear and Zalal fighting to a majority draw, 29-28 and 28-28 comprising the scores, which officially made it a majority draw. Uh, We had Josh Quinlan uh, defeating Jason Witt with a one-punch knockout with uh, 209 into the first round. Uh, We had Tyson Nam defeating Ode Osborne by knockout with punches two minutes and 59 seconds into the first round. Followed by Gabriel Benitez knocking out Charlie Ontiveros uh, three minutes and thirty-five seconds into the first round. We have a lot of a lot of knockout finishes to start off the card tonight. Uh, we also had Nina Nunez defeating Cynthia Calvillo by split decision, twenty-nine twenty-eight and thirty twenty-seven. The two scores going in favor of Nina Nunez. And she officially announced her retirement as well from mixed martial arts following this fight. Uh, we did have our next matchup, Martin, Martin Boudet defeating Lukas Berzeski by split decision, 29-28 for Martin Boudet. In our next fight, we had Angela Hill defeating Lupe Godinez by unanimous decision, 29-28. So basically two out of three rounds went for for, uh, Angela Hill here. And in our next bout, we had Gerald Mearshart versus Bruno Silva as Mearshart defeated Silva by submission via a guillotine choke at about a minute and 39 seconds into the third round. Our next fight saw Priscilla Cachoeira 
defeating Ariane Lipsky by knockout in the first round, a minute and five seconds into the first round, uh, with nasty ground and pound from what it sounds like here. Uh, Azamat Mirzakhanov defeated Devin Clark by technical knockout with punches in a minute and eight seconds into the third round here. Uh, our next fight, we had Yasmin Yao Regui defeating Yasmin Lucindo by unanimous decision, 30-27 and 29-28 being the official scores. Then we had Nate Landwehr defeating David Onama by majority decision, 29-27, 29-27, and one of the judges scored the bout a draw, 28-28. And finally came the main event. Marlon Vera defeated Dominic Cruz by knockout with a head kick, followed by punches at 2 minutes and 17 seconds of the fourth round. So that officially improves Marlon Vera's record to 14 and 6 in the UFC with an overall record of 22-7 and 1. While Dominic Cruz falls to 24 and 4 overall with a 7 and 3 record in the UFC. And looks like that is it for the UFC coverage uh, for tonight's fight. Also have uh, some news involved. There, there had been a tease that maybe perhaps Jake Paul could potentially jump into the octagon. However, Dana White has brutally shot down that possibility uh, of a fight against Jake Paul after the pair clashed over the issue of fighter pay. Paul, Jake Paul has definitely been on the side of fighters saying that Obviously, they deserve to get paid a hell of a lot more uh, for for uh, basically uh, fighting at the current rate that they that they fight at. And I mean, Dana White he's been he's found himself in hot water in recent years amidst uh, numerous accusations of mistreating the fighters who helped make his UFC business so successful. Uh, I mean, this year, fighter compensation works out at about 19 to 20%, which has been consistent, apparently, for 11 years within the UFC. Uh, Matter of fact, British UFC star Paddy Pimblett shocked fight fans earlier this year when he revealed that his pay was only just 9,000 pounds before uh, performance-related bonuses. So... I mean, basically, you know, it's not uncommon as base pay for a UFC athlete is 9,000 pounds to show and 9,000 to win, uh, which obviously doesn't sit right with a lot of people. And let me just let me just put this uh, put this real quick here. So basically, 9,000 pounds comes out to about. $10,917, so almost almost $11,000, essentially. 11000 to show and 11000 if you win. So, I mean, that's not really even enough for fighter pay, considering the fact that 
you know, most fighter, you know, all fighters have to pay their camp. They have to pay their coaches and everything. You know, it's, they're basically, they're barely making any money to begin with. Once, once they officially pay everybody that they need to. And Jake Paul has been more vocal uh, than most on the issue of fighter pay and expressed his belief that everybody on the roster should earn a minimum of $50,000 per fight, as well as get 50% of UFC's profits and also get long-term health care from the company. And Dana White, meanwhile, claims that the UFC fighter pay model will never change as long as he's around, as he believes it is fair and it prevents the sport he helped build from becoming corrupted by greed. Yet at the same time, though, Jake Paul's kind of right. You know, it's this isn't really for fighters to really – you know, to re- to really uh, make a living on essentially, unless unless you become so successful, uh, you know, that you end up becoming a top level competitor or a you know or a UFC champion. You know, you're never really going to you're you're never really going to you know make a living basically. Uh, by by fighting, considering the fact that you're not really compiling, you know, a savings, essentially. And Jake Paul then responded to Dana White's comments by he, he by calling out the UFC once again, as he said, no major sports organization pays its athletes as poorly as Dana White in the UFC. They keep talking about selling out 21 events in a row, but never talking about raising fighter pay, giving them health care, as well as a fair revenue split. He said, if my, boss never, if my boss told me I am never getting a raise, I would quit and go somewhere that actually values me, right? But what if your boss, who has made hundreds of millions from your hard work, told you he's not increasing your minimum pay and you're not able to quit? That's basically where UFC fighters find themselves right now. According to Dana White, looks like that probably is not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, as we talked about last week, uh, the Paul between Jake or the fight between Jake Paul and Hasim Rahman Jr. has officially been canceled due to uh, weight issues involving Rahman Jr. Raman Jr. has since fought back against this, saying that uh, he would be able to make weight, but I, I forget exactly what it was, but it was something like they keep changing the weight limit, basically, and Jake Paul essentially had had enough. With uh, He wouldn't agree to to a certain a certain limit. He basically cut it off at a certain limit, essentially. And it looks like uh, following the injury that has taken out Alex Wasabi, who was originally supposed to face fellow YouTuber KSI, it looked like at first that KSI was going to fight uh, was going to fight against Jake Paul. However, there has been a new opponent uh, after the Wasabi injury for KSI. So, K- 
KSI will instead fight a rapper by the name of Swarms, who I've never heard of. So that doesn't that doesn't really matter here. But uh, as far as Jake Paul goes, he does not currently have a new opponent. I know, I know there's a whole bunch of stuff involving Tommy Fury. Uh, the fact that Tommy Fury wasn't able to make it into the country, but apparently now Jake Paul was willing to fight in uh, in the UK to fight against KSI. So now the question comes: Okay, if you're willing to fight in the UK, why won't you take a fight against Tommy Fury overseas? And instead, you want to fight Tommy Fury in the United States. I don't know. I don't know about about anybody else. Anybody else that follows this, but it kind of seems to me like Jake Paul is ducking fighting actual boxers. Because keep in mind, so far on his record, he has not fought an actual boxer. He's fought MMA fighters. He's fought a a washed up M- former NBA star, and he's fought a YouTuber. That's all he has fought in his five professional bouts. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going to come next of him, but uh, right now looks like he is currently held without an opponent at this point. Uh, Deshaun Watson, by the way, he did release a statement. Uh, He is apparently showing regret for his actions as his future remains in limbo he he ended up saying that he is truly sorry to all of the women that he impacted uh, throughout the situation that basically engulfed all of all of uh, last season as well as this off season for him. He ended up saying the decisions that I made in my life have uh, that put me in this position. I would definitely like to have back, but I want to continue to move forward and grow and learn and show that I am a true person of character and I am going to keep pushing forward. Uh, He said, I know I have a lot of work to put in, especially on the field to be able to make sure I'm ready to play whenever that time comes, whenever I can step back on the field. But also the biggest thing is I want to continue counseling and I want to make sure that I am growing as a person, as an individual for my decision-making on and off the field. I want to make sure that I'm just evolving in the community as much as possible, and that's for the Cleveland community. That's the NFL community and beyond. Uh, Obviously, he is currently awaiting the NFL's decision in terms of how long he will be essentially suspended for. But from from the most part, from what I've seen on social media, it looks like uh, Cleveland has basically welcomed him with open arms, regardless of all of the uh, regardless of all the all the problems that he's been dealing with here uh, on a legal uh, issue here. So you know, it's we we don't know exactly what's gonna what's gonna happen with Deshaun Watson, but. You know, as we talked about earlier, wouldn't would not be surprised at all if we see him go. Well, both Lou and Kyle believe that it would probably just stay six uh, for six games. I would not be surprised at all if he ends up spending the entire year uh, off the football field. As I said, as I said before, they're going to want to try and essentially 
you know, clean up their image, essentially. And that's the way for them to try and do that. Now, the newest in the Kobe Bryant photo trial, obviously Kobe has uh, has been gone for the last for the last couple of years, ever since the that fatal helicopter crash. Uh, however, apparently there have been crime scene photos that have been circulating ar- amongst the LAPD, and. Apparently, this isn't unique to the Kobe Bryant crash, as uh, it's been happening apparently since the O.J. Simpson murder case, uh, with an ex-LAPD officer had testi- he had testified saying that he saw a Polaroid of the dead body of O.J. Simpson's ex-wife at the time. Uh, former LAPD officer Adam Berkovici an expert witness hired by Vanessa Bryant's legal team testified that he and other cops at the station saw a close-up of uh, Nicole Brown Simpson's body following her June 1994 murder. Uh, now, you may be wondering what this has to do with Kobe's with Kobe's case. Apparently, there have been photos of Kobe's burnt-up body that have been circulating. Uh, not just Kobe, but also, you know, uh, Kobe and uh, their daughter Gigi's uh, or Gianna Bryant's bodies that had been circulating. And uh, during opening statements on this past Thursday, uh, Vanessa Bryant's attorney told the 10-person jury that eight L.A. County Sheriff's deputies took pictures of both Kobe and Gianna's bodies at the helicopter crash scene uh, for nothing, for for nothing involving personal use or except for personal use, I guess. Uh, Vanessa's lawyer says that she lives herself, that Vanessa herself lives in fear, anxiety, and terror that the pictures will someday be released saying that she will forever be haunted by the deputy's actions. Now, Lakers general manager Rob Palenka, who was uh, Kobe's agent, took the stand on Thursday and was barely able to speak when talking about his close relationship with with Kobe. On Thursday, the jury also heard from a bartender in L.A. who testified that a deputy had showed him the crash scene photos at his bar. Uh, Bryant's attorney showed screen grabs from surveillance video that appeared to show the bartender laughing after seeing the grisly photos. In her lawsuit, Vanessa claims that the deputy's conduct caused her severe emotional distress, saying that the photos were an invasion of privacy, and lawyers for L.A. County say that her emotional distress is a result of the fatal crash and not the photos. The trial is expected to go through next week. Now, apparently, you know, they're tying this to the O.J. Simpson murder case as uh, the police officer that I that I mentioned, uh, Adam Berkovici, uh, who was part of that whole uh, crime scene with, involving O.J. Simpson's ex-wife. Uh, he testified that illicit photos of human remains, so-called, quote-unquote, death books, are apparently common among law enforcement and not something unique to the Kobe crash. 
he also te- he testified that there were no legitimate reasons for the deputies to take photographs of their remains. And despite this being an issue that's painful for not just the family but also the friends of the deceased, Berkovici says that not nearly enough has been done to end the practice here. Uh, another example, uh, Luella Wayrider who was the wife of an LAFD fire captain, also took the stand, testifying that she had witnessed a group, including another fire captain, view the photos at a local awards show about three weeks after the fatal crash. Uh, She herself did not look at the photos herself, but she overheard another man say, I can't believe I just looked at Kobe's burnt-up body, and now I'm about to eat. So, you know, this whole trial is essentially to essentially taking place uh, starting starting this past week, and for what it looks like, it looks like it's going to continue for uh, at least this this uh, this next upcoming week here. And all this, by the way, is coming from TMZ. Uh, LA cops, it's, it says here, LA cops have a dark culture when it comes to grisly death scenes, keeping ghoul books with photos of famous people who have met violent deaths. Uh, Deputy Doug Johnson testified that he did not regret taking photos of the remains, claiming he was ordered to do so by a higher up, even though that higher up had said that he gave no such order. Johnson said he took 25 photos, although another officer claimed it was more like 100 photos. The deputy admitted that he took shots of Kobe's remains, although he says he didn't know at the time that it was the famed basketball star. He also took pictures of a body in a ravine near the crash site, a body of a black child with long hair, presumably being Gianna, although, of course, it could have it could have also been uh, one of her teammates, as I believe they said that there were a couple a couple of her teammates. Uh, I think like two of them were on the the helicopter as well. Uh, Johnson ended up sticking to his story, saying he would not have done anything differently. And uh, he also testified there was an internal affairs investigation after the crash, and he also noted that he was not disciplined for taking the photos. So it's, I mean, this, this whole entire thing, it's just sickening to begin with. Like there's no, you know, you could basically put it this way that, you know, there's no respect essentially for the deceased, especially, especially somebody, the likes of Kobe Bryant, you know, who is one of the, one of the best players to ever play the game of basketball. And I mean, I could I could understand, you know, if maybe you didn't know that they were his remains, but especially if they if people knew that it was him, and yet they still continued to take photos and whatnot. It's 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 seriously it's disrespectful to not just the not just the the victim themselves, but also to the family and everybody else. Every, you know, to his to his family and to his friends. So I mean, it's honestly, it's it's kind of sickening when you think about it. The fact that uh, you know some people would still would, would decide to take photos, and plus hearing about that bartender apparently laughing 
uh, after seeing the crash photos. Uh, Elsewhere, Antonio Brown reportedly is interested in playing for the Dallas Cowboys as the Cowboys reportedly have a problem at wide receiver, and it looks like Antonio Brown is willing to help out, according, he told TMZ Sports uh, this week, to tell Jerry Jones to call him. Uh, Dallas's receiver room took a big hit this month, obviously, when free agent acquisition James Washington had injured his already out while recovering from ACL surgery. The team now has just one truly proven player at the position ready to go for week one, which ends up to be CeeDee Lamb. Uh, James Washington is expected to be out six to ten weeks. Uh, It's a similar injury, basically, to what Demarcus Lawrence had suffered last year that ended up causing him to miss ten games. Uh, Brown does appear to to be down to change uh, the situation down in Dallas. Uh, basically, it, it just—it's unclear, of course, how serious he is about it, as he's been supposedly extremely focused on on his music career this past off season, and you know he's he's all over the place essentially. So he even said he even said, uh, you know, he still misses the Buccaneers and his quarterback uh, and their quarterback Tom Brady. You know, he wants the Buccaneers to call him. It just—it just seems like he's. So all over the place. Who even knows if uh, you know if if he even has a future, essentially, remaining in the NFL, or if he's basically seen his last, you know, his last days playing for an NFL team. Meanwhile, Jeff. Passin of ESPN has reported that Padres superstar shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr. will be suspended for 80 games for violating MLB's performance-enhancing drug policy. So the suspension will cover the remainder of this season and will continue for 32 games into the start of next year. He will also be ineligible for postseason play as well this year. And this is for a team who had also acquired Juan Soto. So it's going to take them a while to be able to see that that big blockbuster lineup that they were expecting to see once Tatis had uh, had been able to come back from his injury. He had been he had been on a minor league rehab assignment at Double A San Antonio before this news had broken. And the substance he reportedly tested positive for is clostebol, which is a synthetic anabolic androgenic steroid. And it's a derivative of natural testosterone. Uh, In an official statement, the Padres announced that they were surprised and extremely disappointed when learning of the positive test. They're hopeful that he will learn from the experience. So, from my understanding of it is that according to multiple baseball writers, they're claiming that the Padres did not even know about it, about the positive test until the morning of like, or they, they didn't even know about it the morning of they knew they learned about it when everybody else learned about it. And, 
Tatis originally was going to appeal the 80-game suspension for testing positive. Instead, he has decided he will drop the appeal and he will begin serving it immediately. Uh, He went on to explain that he inadvertently took a medication to treat ringworm that contained uh, Clostebol and that he should have used the resources available to him to ensure that there were no banned substances included. Uh, He then apologized for his mistake, saying he would never do anything to cheat or disrespect the game he loves. Uh, So hopefully he will have learned his lesson by the time he's eligible to return for the the final two-thirds of next season. Also in Major League Baseball, Chris Sale underwent season-ending surgery on Monday after fracturing his right wrist last Saturday in a bicycle accident. He was also he was expected to return later this season after he underwent surgery on his fractured left pinky finger last month, but he will miss the remainder of the 2022 season after injuring his right wrist over the weekend over the weekend in a bicycling accident. And he's been limited to just 11 starts over the past three seasons due to various injuries. He is, though, expected to be ready for the start of spring training. Here's the problem I have here. If you're rehabbing your other hand, now, this isn't the same hand that he injured. This isn't the same hand that had the pinky finger. He injured his, his other hand. If you're if you're already recovering from a pinky injury, from having surgery, what the hell are you doing riding a bicycle, especially a bicycle that's? I mean, I know I know some players, you know, they ride the bike in the gym, where it's stationary, where it can't move. Literally, you're just pedaling, but you're not actually moving. What the hell was he thinking riding? a bicycle and supposedly they had said that he was going out. uh, He he had been going out to lunch after he had, after he, he had thrown the ball around a little bit as part of his rehab. And apparently he ended up hitting a bump or something and he ended up flying over the bike. If that's the case, First off, why the hell were you even on, were you even on a bike to begin with when you're rehabbing your other hand? Honestly, that's just, it. Yeah, you know, it, he's had bad luck over the past couple of years with Tommy John surgery and whatnot. But honestly, this is just this is just irresponsible for him at this point. You know, I can't really understand why he decided to he decided to go about it this way especially when the Red Sox were banking on him returning and possibly you know possibly maybe putting them into a little bit of contention although i mean by virtue of their of their loss to the New York Yankees tonight i mean they entered tonight's game I think it was like four games back of the wild card. Where are they at now? They're probably back down to five. No, they're at four and a half now. But, uh, I mean, they're at 56 and 59. So even even if he did come back at some point before the end of the regular season, that doesn't necessarily mean that they were going to go anywhere. I mean, Baltimore's even ahead of them. Tampa Bay's ahead of them. Toronto's ahead of them. 
I mean, going go to the wild card, you have one, two, three, four, five, six teams ahead of Boston for the wild card and three teams overall on the outside of the wild card who are ahead of Boston. I'm sorry, but anybody who thought that this team was a contender, they're not a contender this year. They're, they're not even above 500 right now. And their main competitors for the final wildcard spot, the Tampa Bay Rays, are in their own division, and Boston hasn't even won. Uh, I'm not even counting the one win against the Orioles, which was a one-game series. They have not won a single series against an AL East competitor. Now, they have a chance to do it against the Yankees if they can end up winning tomorrow night's game. I don't see that happening, but they could potentially win against the Yankees and maybe have their first legitimate series win. I don't see that happening, though. Uh, The Tigers announced Wednesday that they have parted ways with Executive Vice President and General Manager Al Avila according to Tigers owner Chris Illich, uh, thanking Avila for his 22 years of service to the organization. He assumed the role of general manager after Dave Dombrowski departed in August of 2015 to become the president of baseball operations for the Boston Red Sox at the time. Uh, Illich announced that he'll oversee the search process for the new head of baseball operations Uh, I mean, the Tigers have been in a rebuild since Avila took over anyways, and the overall fruits of his trades and free agent signings have been minimal to begin with. So the Tigers have been going nowhere for years, and they're going to continue to stay nowhere. Uh, Elsewhere in the league, Tim Anderson underwent surgery Thursday morning in Chicago to repair the sagittal band tear in the middle finger of his left hand. He suffered the injury over the weekend last week in Texas while attempting to check his swing, and the expectation is he will miss the next six weeks, perhaps even the remainder of the 2022 regular season. He had had hit 301 with six homers and 13 stolen bases through 79 games played this year with the White Sox. Uh, Lurie Garcia is likely to be the primary fill-in at shortstop for Chicago, Though Lennon Sosa is getting ended up getting the nod there on Thursday afternoon in Kansas City. Also, the Oakland Athletics they released infielder slash DH Jed Lowry after he was designated for assignment on Wednesday, and predictably passed through waivers without interest from another team. Uh, the 38-year-old batted just 180 in 50 games this year. Let's see. What else do we have for you guys? Oh, yeah. The NBA, uh, they announced Thursday that the number six of Bill Russell would be retired league-wide in honor honor of the late Bill Russell. Uh, In the aftermath of the 13-time NBA champion's passing, uh, he won 11, of course, as a player and two, two more rings as a head coach. Uh, More than a few within the game of basketball stated that his number should be retired, and the NBA will do just that, uh, with those who currently wear the numbers, such as LeBron James, being allowed to do so until their careers end. 
this is an action that was similar to that taken by Major League Baseball, which retired Jackie Robinson's number 42 league-wide years ago. Uh, it, it was stated by Adam Silver that Bill Russell's unparalleled success on the court and pioneering civil rights activism deserved to be honored in a unique and historic way. Permanently retiring his number six across every NBA team ensures that Bill's transcendent career will always be recognized. It's a classy gesture by Adam Silver and the NBA to do so. And, I mean, you know, it makes sense that every player that currently holds the number six will be able to wear it for the rest of their career. However, the number six, uh, for any teams that are uh, currently do not have a number six, the number six will affi- effective immediately uh, will not be reissued to any other players. Uh, some more NFL news. Uh, Kareem Hunt had requested a trade from the Cleveland Browns. And according to the Plain Dealers' Mary Kay Cabot, she has reported that the Browns have told Kareem Hunt that he will not be traded despite an overcrowded back, uh, back depth chart. Uh, hitting a new section of the saga last Saturday when Hunt had started skipping team drills in camp while seeking a new deal. Uh, Hunt doesn't actually have much leverage in this situation, however, but the Browns have responded aggressively to this new play with fines and now a denial on his trade request. Cleveland ultimately has enough enough depth that dealing Hunt wouldn't be that much of a big deal for them, but he's a more established back than than Dearness Johnson at this point. And it sure would make sense for them to deal from strength if they got a real asset back, but early signs are pointing towards no in this situation. Uh, Ian Rappaport has also reported that an Odell Beckham signing isn't imminent and Beckham isn't expected to be ready for at least the first half of the season. Rappaport goes on to note that the Rams and Packers are interested in Beckham's services, but that Beckham may wait to sign see how the season shakes out and if there's a surprise contender or target vacuum that he can end up stepping into. Uh, obviously, his torn ACL in the Super Bowl has helped limit his market, so it's not really a surprise that he's still out there on the on the receiver market. Uh, Rappaport does seem to suggest that Beckham also wants to wait to sign as a strategy but unless you're, uh, you know, for fantasy football, unless your league has uh, injury reserve spots, you could probably skip adding Beckham to your fantasy football teams this year. And even if it does, Beckham probably isn't going to be a priority target coming off of his ACL tear. Uh, Patriots running back James White officially announced his retirement from the NFL this week after eight seasons in the league. White was drafted by the Patriots originally in 2014 and played all eight seasons of his career in New England. He rushed only 355 times in his, in his entire career, including the playoffs, totaling 1,424 rushing yards and 16 rushing touchdowns. His value, though, came primarily as a dynamic receiver out of the backfield as in his six seasons with at least 14 games played, 
He never had less than 40 catches, peaking with an 87-catch, 751-yard, and seven-touchdown regular season receiving line on 123 targets back in 2018. White also appeared to get better with age as his yards per route run increased in every season from 2017 to 2021, and he finished with an, with an elite 2.11 yards per uh, YPRR over his final two seasons. White's final season was unfortunately cut short by a hip injury, however, and the Patriots ended up signing Ty Montgomery in the offseason as an apparent contingency plan. Montgomery, a former wide receiver, will likely play a similar role in the offense this season for the Patriots. Uh, Formerly a day three pick out of Wisconsin, White will be remembered as a key contributor for multiple Super Bowl teams, most notably posting a 14-catch, 110-yard, one-touchdown receiving line on 16 targets and a six-carry, 29-yard, two-touchdown rushing line. And the Patriots come back from from being down 28-20 or from being down 28-3 to win 34-28 in a come-from-behind victory over the Falcons in Super Bowl 51. Elsewhere, uh, NFL Network's Mike Garofalo has reported that Nikhil Harry, uh, wide receiver for the, Chicago, for the Chicago Bears, underwent successful ankle surgery on Thursday, and he will be sidelined eight weeks as he underwent tightrope surgery after suffering a high ankle sprain in training camp. Uh, per NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, Harry could return in November depending on how the Bears handle things with him. However, Harry's uncertain status with his new team makes his timeline less clear. He is set to be a free agent in 2023, making it possible that he doesn't log a single snap for the Bears, who ended up sending a seventh-round pick to the Patriots for the 24-year-old back in July. Uh, you know, Nikhil Harry's career so far in the NFL has been completely snake-bitten. You know, it kind of sucks for him to finally get a change of scenery and maybe perhaps that would jumpstart his career. And instead now you're basically seeing him be reduced to the sidelines again, essentially. And it, 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 it just doesn't look good for his prospects of maybe potentially staying, uh, staying on with an NFL team. And who knows, you know, with him being, uh, obviously with him being injured, this is going to save him from being cut. Although I guess maybe perhaps they could potentially release him with a injury settlement, I suppose. But it does kind of suck, even though, uh, you know, Patriots fans ragged on him during his entire time with New England. You know, he's still, he, he, he's still, had promise as long as you know he would conti- he would continue to to receive targets which it looked like he was getting off to a pretty good start in Bears training camp but uh unfortunately this is side this will sideline him for the next 8 weeks uh speaking of the Patriots uh Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer believes the Patriots could potentially entertain the idea of trading contract year running back Damian Harris. 
Uh, Ramondre Stevenson has reportedly established himself worthy of being the starter, and the Patriots have a stable of running backs behind both Stevenson and Harris, as they had signed Ty Montgomery and JJ, and as well as JJ JJ Taylor remaining on the roster, and they also drafted Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris as well. There's zero chance all of those guys make the 53-man roster anyways, and Harris is likely to walk as a free agent in 2023. So if the Patriots feel comfortable enough with the younger guys, flipping Harris to a running back needy team could potentially make some sense. And not to mention a Harris trade would absolutely skyrocket the fantasy stock for uh, fans that are interested in Ramondre Stevenson. Though, as a Patriot fan, I'm not, I'm not saying I would actually agree with the notion that they should potentially trade Harris. As the pro- the problem with the Patriots is, it j- it just seems like whenever they get a whenever they get a stud, they don't really want to expend their budget in order to you know in, in order to to pay players. I mean, the Patriot way seemingly all this time has been essentially about, you know, saving money so that you can get more, you can get more talent added to the roster. You know, I just, I, I, I don't know if it would be such a good move because what if Stevenson gets injured? He gets injured. What are you left with? You're left with Montgomery. You're left with J.J. Taylor. What would J.J. Taylor probably be the starter? It just doesn't. I don't think it makes sense from a Patriots perspective. Uh, elsewhere, the New York Jets they signed offensive tackle Dwayne Brown to a two-year contract. The deal is supposedly worth twenty-two million dollars. And it's safe to say, though, that the real guaranteed number is probably much lower. Uh, The second year is probably for salary cap purposes, but the 36-year-old Brown is a necessary reinforcement after the Jets ended up losing third-year pro Mekhi Becton for the season with his knee injury that he suffered during camp. Uh, Brown was no longer an elite blindside protector for the Seahawks last year, but he did remain a strong overall tackle. Uh, Brown will now jostle with fellow ex-Seahawk George Font for left tackle duties in New York. Uh, Font had been penciled in on the left side even before Becton's injury, but Brown has never played another position. So that should be kind of interesting moving forward here for the New York Jets. All right, so... We obviously Lou wasn't able to get back uh, on the uh, on the line here, so I'm probably going to wrap it up here for tonight. Uh, I know you guys are probably sick and tired of of me talking to myself for the past oh close to an hour, I think, that I've been talking to myself here. Uh, but I just, before I go, I do want to give a reminder. Obviously, you guys are going to be listening to this on the archives. Uh, if you guys want to join the game's gridiron game that we have in Sports Whispers, you can do so by joining Sports Whispers on Facebook. Request to join. 
and we will get you in there. Uh, also, a programming reminder, this upcoming Tuesday, we are not sure yet if we are going to have a show. Obviously, uh, stay tuned to blogtalkradio.com slash missyae for upcoming shows that we will have. Uh, Thursday night, still kind of questionable. I would assume we are probably going to have the show anyways, though, for the Challenge Recap show, considering even though Big Brother is two hours this week due to the special twist that they're going to put into the uh, to the show. Friday night, though, we will have the Big Brother 24 recap podcast uh, with myself and Melissa and the rest of the gang giving our thoughts, obviously, on everything that went down in the Big Brother house. And, of course, we will also have, you know, the Sports Whispers Weekly next Saturday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, barring any other, any other, uh, you know, circumstances here. But hey, uh, you know, everybody, everybody else have a great rest of your weekend. Uh, I'm going to play you guys out to a, uh, to a song here and yeah, uh, we will see you guys on, or Sports Whispers Weekly. We will see you guys next Saturday night.
Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups.